Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. I have a comedian and also writer, uh, Will Julian, on the podcast today. Uh, Will, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Leo. Thank you for having me, man. Um, I saw, I want to congratulate you, first of all, that you just sold uh, something to the NBC, ABC. Was it a script, a pilot? What'd you do? It was, uh, yeah, Fox. We sold a show. Um a little while ago now, uh, I guess a year and a half, two oh, years or something. I just, um, there's a long delay between that press release you read <laughs> and the whole, but you know, as there usually is. Um, yeah, I wrote a, created a show with a buddy of mine. I don't know if you know Dan Perlman. He's a great comic, a uh, great writer. Um, and yeah, we sold the show to Fox. It kind of is a long story. We were in Montreal. Uh, we kind of pitched it there at JFL. Uh, got into this competition. We were one of five to get accepted. Uh, and this weird pitch thing, very odd format, like you're pitching in front of five executives and then there's an audience too, and you have no idea who you're talking to. Um, we ended up winning that, whatever that means, winning. <laughs> and then uh, they called us up and said, we want to buy the show. Uh, so that was exciting, but uh, they passed, Leo. Fox passed. Um, like, uh, you know, they usually do on these things. Um, so who knows? It might, might go elsewhere, but I'm not holding my breath. You know, that's, it's, I mean, wow. When that's why I never tell people about, uh, projects that have coming up or even shows because right. you don't know if at the last second they're going to pass. Right. You, totally. No, it was right. all green lights, believe me. And that's a common tale. You know, it, it was full steam ahead. They were stoked. And then, you know, and then they pull the plug. So you never know. I feel bad because I, I, you know, eliminated all my friends that I thought I didn't need anymore. And then I had to come crawling back, <laughs> you know. Um, and I was like, no, I'm one of you. I'm sorry. <laughs> one, one lunch in Beverly Hills. I thought I was... Um, but uh, no, no, no. It was all good. You know, at no point, you know, you've, I don't know how long you've been doing this, but at no point did I think, oh, I'm all set now. I, I knew I've listened to enough interviews and podcasts and I know enough to know that one development deal uh, doesn't make you set for the rest of your life in this business. So uh, I was well aware of what, what I was in for. How did you, how did you handle that? Like, was it as smooth as, um, you know, oh, well, no big deal, whatever, you know, just get back to work. Or was it, was there like a, a grieving or was there, a, uh, was there, you know, was there, a, did you call somebody and like, I remember like I asked that when I did Boston Comedy Festival uh, in Boston, obviously, um, and I got eliminated the first round. Mm -hmm. I made like three phone calls to people just like crying my eyes out and uh, people trying to talk me off the ledge, you know. Uh, and it worked. It felt it was great, you know. So I yeah. wonder, did you go through a similar thing, or did you already have a pretty good head on your shoulders? And um, um, it was definitely uh, disappointing because it wasn't um, it wasn't unexpected in that uh, I wasn't expecting to get you know uh, a show that went into syndication and have all this crazy. I was expecting it to go a little further along than it did, right. basically in the process. Um, we did a table read and like shortly afterwards, a table read that went great. And then shortly after we got a call that they're not moving forward. And of course the people who decided it's not moving forward 
we had no contact with, you know, all the people right below them were stoked and behind us and advocated on our behalf. But it was just like, you know, I don't even know why, but they said, we don't feel like doing this. Uh, it was disappointing, totally. Uh, I'm trying to think who I called first. I was staying with some family friends in Santa Monica. So I think I told them first because I think they could just see it on my face. Because, you know, that morning I was like, you know, skipping in the streets. Um, <laughs> and then that afternoon they're like, did something happen? Did someone die? What happened? <laughs> um, Were you wearing all black and uh, <laughs> yeah. listening to Billie Eilish? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I told uh, this uh, woman, again, it's uh, one of my friends from high school. It was his parents. Um, I told his mom I was just going to, like, take a walk, you know, on the beach. And she's like, all right, you're not, you're not walking in the water, are you? You're not. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'll be all right. Thank you for your concern. Relevant to this podcast, Leo. Um, <laughs> no, I did not contemplate. It was very sad. I called, uh, I think I called my parents first, my agent second, <laughs> uh, to let him know. And then I kind of had to let all my friends know because I didn't want it to be one of those like slow burn sort of things where I had to like individually tell them over the course of months. Right. And, then they're like, oh, did you hear about Will? So I did it in kind of one fell swoop, one big text. Um, and then I let my family kind of tell my family. Um, yeah, it was uh, definitely a punch to the gut. But also, again, it's like we were lucky to even have that chance. And um, in the end, it's not something to complain. Like the fact that it was all green lights and then it got canceled is a very common tale. You know, it's not like there was anything unique about my situation it's happened to many people so you know fuck me uh, yeah i think about like you know people who are going to get married and then uh right at the altar you know somebody else changes one of the people changes their mind exactly but this was way worse all right this is show business not you said this family. is worse than that How this is-, is worse this is show business leo all right this is more significant than family and no it was it was tough it was definitely a punch to the gut but i'm definitely uh you know um over it. it's not completely dead in the water it might go elsewhere but it's also kind of it's been mortally wounded and i'm i'm not house hunting right now let's put it that way so you're telling me that you'd rather had been at the altar about to marry the woman of your dreams mm-hmm. and her going you know what this doesn't quite work out this doesn't quite work for me and turn away and walk away than to have <laughs> your project not green lighted it depends. How many seasons would it go? No, uh, uh, no, no, of course not. No, you're, uh, as you know, if you don't have your personal life in order, then, then who gives a shit about everything else? Uh, no, definitely not. But it was definitely, uh, it was rough. I mean, it's in a way though, you're, you're lucky to have those sort of, um, gut punches in your right. career. Cause it means you got to a point where you are kind of there. Um, so uh, ring, you got bloodied. You actually have the courage to uh, step up to the plate and see what happens. Yes, exactly. So it's all good. I, it's a hard thing to, um, you know, complain about, especially to your comedian friends. Yeah. You know, They're like, yeah, you piece of shit. Welcome back to the open mic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I, had, I had a similar experience last night or not. What was today? Uh, Wednesday, Sunday. I had two shows and a second show uh, didn't go as well as the first show. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like a gut punch. It was mm-hmm. just so painful. However, at the same time, uh, 
because it it, it was uh, a struggle for a part of it, I grew so much. Like I like you learn where your blind spots are. You learn um, uh, how to how to maneuver next time that that situation comes up. The strategy, yeah. the yeah. tech. You know, like I'm, I'm uh, as a result of that. Like I'm writing more now. I'm practicing uh, in the mirror now. You know that's something yeah. I used to do before. Like I'm training harder. You know, it's yeah. like it's like it's like when I watch those Rocky movies. And, uh, and, you know, Rocky has a fight early in the movie and he loses. And you know that, oh, now he's going to come back even stronger because eventually he's going to win by the end. Right. So kind of right. like that where you're just like, all right, how are we going to handle this defeat? You know, and, and you kind of pull yourself up. Totally. Yeah, you got him. That would be a funny Rocky sequence if he, instead of boxing, he bombed and then he's practicing with a spatula in front of the mirror. You know? <laughs> yeah. That would, I don't know how... Uh, I don't know how that would affect the box office, Leo, but that would be an amusing. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I love what you said earlier when you said, you know, if you don't have your uh, your personal life in order, nothing else uh, really matters. Yeah. Uh, um, it seems like you're close with your family, right? I am. Yeah. So where are you from? I'm from New York originally. I was born yeah. in the city, uh, but when I was about four my parents moved to Westchester, just outside the city, so grew up mostly there. Um, but I still play the like, you know, New York card. I'm from New York, and then they're like, "Oh, New York City." I'm like, "Man, it doesn't matter. We don't have to." Yeah, uh, it's all New York. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Definitely have a close relationship with my parents. I have one older brother. Um, that's all good. They're pretty supportive. You know, I think always a little worried. Um, about this line of work, but supportive nonetheless. Um, my dad was in is was kind of in show business peripherally, as in marketing and uh, being a creative director, copywriter for a while. Um, and uh, he used to hang out with a lot of comedians back in the day. He knows he knows the life, and he gets it. He knows uh, the pitfalls. I think I think in many ways he's more worried about the changes it would make to me, like. Um, personally and kind of the mental toll it can take on you and do you want that life like regardless of whether you're gonna ever make any money mm -hmm. <laughs> just how does it change you as a person and affect you as a person um because that to me like i've always been a relatively you know happy guy throughout my life i think i still am for sure um but now that i've been doing comedy for a while i can see where the struggle comes from i think in many ways comedy is like the cause of a lot of this stuff um how so what do you mean i i think there's just a lot of factors there's like there's too much free time i think you know if you're just doing uh if you're only happy for an hour a night you know that's not enough uh there's too much time in the day to fill um you spend a lot of time like alone you know even if you're a writer same deal in your own head uh I think there's a lot of pitfalls to that. Um, I also consider myself like a people person. So in many ways, like what I'm doing is kind of going against that grain. Because um, it's a very uh, lonely thing, you know. And I think free time and loneliness can, can take you to a dark place. And that's uh, a lot of comedy. You know, it's uh, a few things I want to unpack that that you said uh, that I think is so relevant. Um, 
One is uh, the idea of isolation, right? So there was this new study that was saying that um, feeling like lonely and isolated isn't just about the people you're around. Because we've all been in those situations where we've been in a crowded room uh, and we felt lonely or or disconnected or, you know, where you're not... um, Either you're not mingling with the people, or you just you just you just don't seem to connect with anybody uh, there, uh, or you know even the idea of like you know uh, the little fish uh, in the big city is like New York, millions of people, and nobody seems to be looking each other in the eye, kind of thing. Um, right. <laughs> but they were saying like, but truly, the feeling of loneliness, or isolation, and isolation comes from uh, not sharing your your pain or what you're going through it doesn't have to be pain it can even be your 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 highs right if you're not sharing the things that excite you if you're not sharing the things that uh you care about or that you're fascinated by uh that can cause feelings of loneliness Mm. and isolation as much as um just not not having anybody to call or talk to does that, well, does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense, and my girlfriend agrees with you 100%. <laughs> How no, so? Just because, like, if I have some, like, news or whatever, good or bad news, sometimes it takes a little while for me to share. It's not It's not because I'm, like, holding it inside. It's actually kind of like a self-confidence thing where I'm like, oh, I don't – did you really give a shit? She's like, of course. I, I love you. I want to hear about this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I selfishly – didn't really want to bring it up because I thought you wouldn't. I thought, I don't know. When you talk about show business to people who aren't in show business, and I, I sound pretentious even using that phrase, but whatever, comedy, your career, to me, it's so, so self-serving that uh, it's it's hard for me to like justify, you know, talking at my girlfriend about what kind of set I had, you know, at uh, Governors on Long Island or whatever. Um, so, but then she's like, no, no, I'm actually interested. So I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta tell you. Um, so I think for me, a lot of that is kind of self-inflicted. Um, I'm just like, uh, I'm assuming um, people would rather not hear about my dog shit career and life, whatever. <laughs> uh, so that's where a lot of it comes from. But she, she's very uh, sweet. And it's like, no, no, I'm, I'm interested in your life. We live in the same apartment. You know, you should tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? And and it's true because I struggle with the same thing of, uh, you know, today I was at the farmer's market and okay, I'm like, off. Right. yeah, I know because <laughs> yeah, I'm balling like that. Yeah. You got some money. You're still, you're still going to the grocery store, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and I, I, I struggle with the feelings of a part of me feels pretentious for even saying I'm going to the farmer's market when I know. So many people uh, struggle. I saw a family yesterday of five. It was a mom, four kids, and they were eating bread. And they were eating bread out the bag. And the, on the bag, it had the markdown price. So not only were they eating bread out of a bag, not only were they just eating bread. And I, I was like, I feel like I felt, it felt like it was their lunch or their dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the markdown bread. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And I'm mm-hmm. like, damn, it's four of them. And his mom is just doing her best to keep them together. But. Right. But and all the carbs. Of them, 
a lot of carbs. And, uh, and they were definitely like, you know, all the kids were, were unfortunately uh, overweight, but they looked so happy. Uh-huh. And they were together. Right. You know, they weren't, there wasn't this, oh, we're eating bread. Like, it, like in, to me, it's like, oh, the, the poverty, the, the horror. To uh-huh. them, they were just like, we're outside, we're with mom, we're hanging out. This is great. Right. You know? Right. Um, right. But you know, to to circle back to what you were saying of like, it it, it is a, a challenge to share parts of your life that you either think uh, uh, um, are are dog shit, so to speak, right? Yeah. You just go, nobody be interested in say. But I think what she's interested in is you and what you care about. Yes. It's not so much, is she interested in comedy specifically? No, but she's interested in your passions, right? right? That's what she wants to hear. She wants to hear how much you care about the joke that didn't work or the set that bombed. Because I, what I realized is that they then transfer that over to them, meaning uh-huh. if care so much about stand-up and about this joke, then that means you have the capacity to then care so much for her. Oh, that's interesting. Does that make sense? Let me write that down, Leo. <laughs> Let me write that down next time I come home at three in the morning and she's like, where were you? I'm like, I care about the jokes and I care about the jokes. <laughs> all right. That's all I can say. Talk to Leo Flowers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe there's something to that. Uh, it's like why when a girl sees a guy with a with a dog or a baby, she goes, "Oh, if he can take care of a baby or a dog, he can take care of me." Yes, I think my mom felt that about my dad before they had kids. My dad was like <laughs> taking care of her dog for a while. And he's like, "Oh, he's going to be a good dad," and right. uh, turns out he was a horrible dad. He was a horrible. No, no, he's great. But uh, that's that's very interesting. I think she does have respect. You know, she works at a job that, um, uh, you know, she likes, but it's a normal, like, social media marketing job. Um, and I think she she says a lot how she's sort of jealous of the fact that I'm doing something that I love to do. Yes. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think there is uh, there might be something to that, and I'm going to find out a way to weaponize it in my relationship. <laughs> is that what this is about? <laughs> yes. Weaponize your enthusiasm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, that's so, interesting. On the other side, though, sorry, there are... Go ahead, com- go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. There are comics also, as you know, that just can't shut the fuck up about themselves. Um, so I try to think of it as like an attribute that I have like enough self-respect for other people's time. Um, do you know uh, Mike Racine, comic Mike Racine? Yeah, absolutely. I was, yeah, he's the man. Great, amazing comic. Uh, but he was he's always surprised at, like, he's like, you're a very good listener, Will, because a lot of comics are not uh, good listeners. <laughs> They're just waiting for their line, you know, or their joke. Um, so, but maybe I take that a little too far to the point where I'm like, yeah, I don't want to bore anybody with my my stuff. <laughs> well, you know, what, what I do is because I, I guess I, I struggle with the same thing and I understand how you feel is like you, you don't want to be talking to somebody and they get that glazed look in their eyes. Right. Sure. Right. Or, 
Um, or where you, maybe you're oversharing and then they go, that guy has issues. I don't want to talk to him anymore. It's almost like you don't want right. to risk losing the relationship either, right? Right. Um, and so what I've learned to do is to get their buy-in uh, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and meaning like, um, hey, can I, can, I, can, I, can I get your ear for five minutes? Or seven. Don't don't never say a few minutes. That's what I've just learned. Also, is you always want to be specific with how much time you need to share what you need to share, whether it's five or seven. Yeah. And then try to go under that time. But, <laughs> or say I have, or to say I have three things I want to run by you really quickly. That mm-hmm. way, that they'll stay engaged because they go, okay, I can I can listen for three things, right? Um, yeah. Is you start talking. And they don't know when you're going to stop. That's when they get right. that, that, you know, like, how long is this torture? Uh, right. So, that, and that's what I do. And that that way, it lets me off the hook emotionally of feeling like I'm boring them to death. And it right. lets them off the hook in terms of how much time do I have to commit to this person? That's you smart. Know? Yeah. I do that before... Um... Uh, I call my manager. I have like three things that I want to say to him because he's um, his least successful client by far. So I'm like, I'll make this quick and then you can get to the people who are making you money. Um, <laughs> well, that's why so. we click on those BuzzFeed <laughs> articles, right? You know, they're like the 10 ways to blah, blah, blah. You're like, okay, I could scroll through 10 things real quick. Or Right. Even, right. I've noticed the, oh, I think it's New York Times where, um, no, it's not New York Times, but there's some other article where, they will tell you how long it takes you to read the article at the top of it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, For, yeah. Go ahead. What grade level? Doesn't it depend? I feel like I'm a pretty slow <laughs> yeah. reader. I feel like at, um, I don't know if you do this move, but like at museums and stuff, you know how they'll have like a plaque and they'll like describe the painting or whatever you're looking at. I'll always like, not finish i'll read like three quarters of it and then like walk away as if i finished it because i feel like if i don't do that if i read the whole thing i'm gonna be last every single time they're gonna be like will are you still fucking reading that thing i'm like no 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 no. i'm just uh rereading uh, <laughs> yeah re-reading. I'm, like, I'm a little insecure about my um my reading speed it takes me i read books and uh, it takes me a while though to get through them what are you reading right now right now i'm reading um exodus Leon Uris, the uh, it's a friggin' 500 page book about the founding of Israel. Um, uh, before that, no, no before I mean, that, you can't just say you're reading a 500 pound book and then skip that. Why are you reading X? Why are you reading 500? Like, I'm reading Moby Dick right now, and I'm like, it's gonna be oh wow, I got that on my bookshelf. Yeah, geez, did you read it or is it I just staring it. at you? It's staring at me. I'm on uh, page, you know, like 100 or whatever. My girlfriend made me read it. She read it. She said it was great. She said, you have to read this if uh, I <laughs> want this relationship to keep going. Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, she didn't say that. But it's good. I'm just a little, um, I'm slow. I'm not that, I'm not that good. Uh, but I find the more I do read, like the happier I am as a person. I don't know if you feel that way. Like it really. Really? Yeah, it makes an impact. I, like, Maybe it's just avoiding my phone, <laughs> but uh, the more, if I'm reading something, I feel uh, better in general. Um, so I try and keep it up if I can, but I'm not good at it. 
<laughs> no, I, I completely agree. I in the in the morning, like right now, I read. I'm reading uh, "Untethered Soul" or "The okay. Untethered Soul." It's like this uh, kind of a self help book, um, and each chapter is maybe two to three pages. So it's a quick, uh, and each chapter is a lesson. I like that already. Say it again. I like that already. Oh, I know. Oh man, I love books with short chapters. <laughs> Uh, Stephen King. That's why, like, you can just you could monster through his most of his books. His uh-huh. chapters are very short. Um, but you're right. When I read a book, I read that in the morning. Then I'm reading Moby Dick at night, and I just feel better. Yeah, I feel calmer. I feel clearer. I feel more connected, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to watching TV before bed or scrolling through Instagram to see how everybody's life is so amazing. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's not healthy. Um, it's funny. Cause I, I, I know that to be the case. I feel the same way and I, and I don't do it enough. Um, so that's, that's an eternal struggle for sure. It's kind of, when do you usually read Exodus? Are you, are you like reading it before bed or just whenever you can grab it or what's your, you have a strategy around that? Yeah, a little bit before bed. I have a little uh, little clip-on light, you know, so mm-hmm. I don't bother um, my girlfriend next yeah. to me. Uh, that's mostly when I do it. I uh, try to do it a little bit in the mornings, too. Uh, and I oh, I never regret it. I never regret reading a book over looking at the news. Um, <laughs> it's always a better move. Uh, and also, there's just too much now. And I read it all like an idiot. Um I read the news a lot, and it doesn't uh, make me feel fulfilled. It, it, kills your, it kills the hap- It kills the joy. Yeah, it really does. It, it does. Just, it's it's all doom and gloom. Yeah. Uh, of course, <laughs> the worst doom is like the you know like I, I don't know why I keep clicking on Yahoo. There's just it's like it's like I like the abusive relationship. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've never clicked on Yahoo. Was like that was great. I feel but I feel better. I feel ready for the world. I know, I know. <laughs> I also I have this cycle. I feel like I'm running out of websites. I feel like I go to five websites, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm just running like CNN, Rotten Tomatoes, some of the trades, Variety, Hollywood Reporter, and then and then I'm like, are there any more websites out there? I, I don't really feel like an old man living in like the days where there was three channels, and I'm still like even See, though there's a thousand more. <laughs> well, you know, YouTube is kind of saving me a little bit because they, they do a really good job of uh, recommending um, uh, videos that I'd want to watch. Yes. And, you know, like, and so I, I find myself, uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tend to watch things that are more educational or, mm-hmm. you know, book reviews or, and stuff like that versus when I'm just scrolling through news feeds, I'm just like... You know, I'm going to the lowest common denominator nine times out of ten. Totally, totally, yeah. yeah. Now, this podcast is called "Before You Kill Yourself." Yes, sir. This is a, it's a pretty hardcore title for a, a show. Well, so it, it is a hardcore title because people who are have thought about uh, completing suicide or taking their life or. Um, or had know someone who has, uh, mm-hmm. that's that's their that's what they're saying in their head, right? In terms of like, I want to kill myself, I want to end my life. Like mm-hmm. it's they're not having this beautiful Disney dialogue uh, running through their minds, and 
So to reach them, to touch them, to connect with them, it's like, all right, why, why, why is talking about suicide and even death, you know, uh, hold on one second. Hold up. No problem. Commercial break. Hello. Hello. Thank you. A little FedEx package. Oh, that's exciting. Or so, um, so to first of all take the stigma away from Mm -hmm. talking about it, right? And two, it's fascinating how small that window is of wanting to kill yourself and do the laundry is <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Oh, it's like, geez. you know, my, my buddy uh, yesterday said, cause I posted one of the old podcasts and he said, uh, his dad would tell him, uh, never kill yourself before lunch. Uh huh. You know? <laughs> and, and it's, it's that idea of like, and it's true. <laughs> You know, like you, you, you have this thought of wanting to uh, uh, take your life and then you do the laundry and then you completely forget about, you know, those thoughts and ideas. And, and, and yeah, they could, they'll come back. But, you know, in that brief second, you know, it's gone, you know. So it's like before you yeah. kill yourself, like, go take a shower. Totally. I, I think that goes back to a lot of, you know, keeping busy. That's one of the problems I think comics have is that they're not they're not busy. You know, if you're making a living doing stand up, you have, you know, 23 hours in a day to kill. Um, And I think that's where those thoughts can come in. So I think that goes to it. If you're doing your laundry and you're uh, making yourself lunch, you're you're keeping the the ball rolling a little bit. Um, I'll just feel bad. Uh, just do me a favor and do at least a few more episodes before you kill yourself if you do, just because I'll feel bad if you end on mine. And they're like, what happened to Leo? It's like, well, he did an episode with Will Julian. And it set him over the top. And uh, you know what I mean? So take the burden off me. Do a few more interviews right after this. All right. Put some padding between me and your potential right, suicide. Right, right, and, uh, right. <laughs> it's funny, too, because... <laughs> Even when I've, I've entertained the thought of it, uh, I, I, I've told myself, I'm like, rec- record a podcast and then see how you feel. Or, yeah, there you go. You know, uh, you know uh, journal. You know, this morning, because uh, I, I journal in the morning, and, uh, and I'll just like do like morning pages. You know what those are, right? Sure, yeah. Good so I'll do it with, I'm left-handed, so I'll write with my left hand. But then uh, the last five lines, I will write with my right hand and it's so much harder. Obviously it takes so much longer. However, I've already noticed an improvement in my ability to write with my right hand. And it really forces you uh, to be focused and get Mm -hmm. into a flow state because it's, it's challenging enough to make you focus, but not so hard that you can't do it. Right. Right. That's, and that's how you trigger flow states and how you trigger being present. And also for people who struggle with anxiety, whether you're flying or just anxiety in life, 
Like that's a way to make you not think about the past or the future to bring you here right now to right. write with your opposite hand. Wow, that's interesting. Um, that does require a lot of focus. That's an interesting thing. I should, uh, man, you're reading in the morning, you're doing your morning page. You're like the model uh, comedian here. I feel like a real shithead for waking up at you know, <laughs> 11.30 a.m. and taking a nap two hours later and writing well, half know, a page of a screenplay and being like, yeah, it was pretty good today. I had a good... <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, I... I <clears throat> The thing that I admire about you is that, um, you know, you got your script to a place where, like you said, you were able to pick, like I've written a, a few scripts and they're just sitting there like, you know, no, I haven't pitched them. I haven't done any of those things. So um, it, it's and I think that's why you, you can never compare what you're doing, where you are and how you feel, because everybody's circumstance circumstances are so different and you know yeah. new york i live in la like that already like you you know the, the there's there's more opportunity for stage time in new york so you can be out later that's why i can wake up early it's like you mm -hmm. know i do two shows i'm done by 10 you know right uh, <laughs> right whereas if i was in new york i definitely would be waking up uh at 11 11 because <laughs> uh, you know i'd be doing shows till two Right, um, right. So, well, then uh, come on out here, Leo. What do you? Yeah, I've been out there. Yeah, man. I'm uh, I'm in at the cellar, so uh, I'd love to come out there and, and and work some of those other clubs too. That's amazing, sure. dude. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Thank How you. How long have you been working there? Uh, I just started, like uh, maybe a year ago. Wow, so, that's great. Yeah. yeah. If you're if you're in there, then just tell the other clubs you're yeah. in there, and they'll, <laughs> and they'll be like, okay, well, we're not quite as good so you can work here too <laughs> have, have you or any of your family members struggle with any mental health issues or yeah uh i think um my mom a little bit depression mostly anxiety uh i would say um Who's uh, mom isn't right they they they're all worried they put a hat on put your gloves on yeah no who's jewish mom isn't oh, oh my god <laughs> oh man yeah <laughs> how how uh, anxiety show up in what ways um well it's fun i think she's calmed down a little more now i feel like you know she's a little older i'm i just turned 30 um so it's it's calmed down a little bit i, I think it manifests itself in concern for others and trying to it's it's never really about herself it's always kind of about the people around her um that she's anxious about uh and I guess a little bit of depression, but she's a pretty happy person. I think my dad struggles a little bit. He's like me, though, and he, you know, keeps it, like, internalized. And uh, he's been to therapy. I have not been to therapy, though, um, mostly because, you know, I don't need that shit, Leo. Um, no, no, no. I'm sure I could benefit from it, but uh, I've never done it. Um, well, why not? Um, well, after I sold the show, I had good health care. Now I don't. You know, so, uh, <laughs> no, I'm sure I could find a way. Uh, I don't know. I haven't, um, I haven't really thought about it. I also, I, I hate to say this, but I feel like, uh, if I really needed it, I would go right now. I feel like I'm in a space where I'm okay. Um, and even if you are okay, I get that going to therapy can be helpful. Um, 
there's one guy that sees all like every comedian in New York City. Uh, I forget his name, and you might know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I I actually had his name written down somewhere, and I forgot when I was at the cellar. Like three of the comments were like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go see such and such." <laughs> yeah, and he's, <laughs> he's like the the comedian therapist, and I believe he charges like what you can pay. He just loves it. Uh, um. Uh, and what's his name? Alan, maybe. Mm-hmm. Might be Alan something. I don't know. I don't know can if I should. Can I ask you this? Is it is you not going to therapy synonymous with feeling like like uh, you don't want to burden somebody with your story or it's, oh wow, it's not enough to <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that that definitely could be a part of it. Um, yeah, I think there's a little bit of like, why would this guy give a shit? Um, but. Uh, I don't know. At the same time, I have to say I'm I've been a relatively happy guy most of my life. I have bad uh, moments and bad days for sure. Um, but usually uh, I can kind of pull myself out of it. Um, How all do this you, is a, you know, now like that I'm an adult, it's like the normal things. It's like exercise and like eating right. Like I, I never remember being like eight years old and someone asks me how you're doing and I'm like well not good I've had McDonald's twice this week I just feel lethargic you know you're just like a happy <laughs> kid uh now that I'm a little older and maybe I'm I can't I'm not as invincible as I used to be I can't you know have eight beers and then run three miles right when I wake up uh that stuff makes a difference um and I feel better you know uh, that's like a new thing, like feeling better when you exercise. I used to just kind of constantly feel good in my younger days. And now it's like, oh, that makes a difference if you run, you know, a little bit and exercise and eat well. And, um, and then it helps with the creative side as well. I've done like a lot of my writing, like at the end of a run where like my blood is flowing or whatever. And my synapses are kind of firing a little more than if I'm just sitting around, not doing anything. Um, so all that all that stuff that people talk about now that I'm 30, <laughs> I can see uh, does make a difference. You're absolutely right. This morning um, I was writing and exercising at the same time. So yeah. I was like, how good does that feel? Oh my god! I was like writing a couple jokes, couple lines, and then I do some mountain climbers, and then I come back write a few more jokes, and then like it just uh, back and forth, and I practice in a mirror. And it just felt great. Yeah. This is just sitting down for a few hours and trying to see what's there, a la Jerry Seinfeld or whatever, you know? Yeah, totally. There's there's no better feeling. Um, and you just you're just happier too. It's just it's all it helps across the board. That's why I think, I think like kids struggle so much in school. It's you know uh, it, these classrooms are asking these kids to sit some. You know, I used to substitute teaching. Sometimes a class would be uh, 90 minutes. Uh -huh. Have kids in there for 90 minutes. These are kids who are full of energy. They don't need caffeine or Red Bull, right? Yep. They're just ready to bounce off the walls. Yep. And uh, we're putting them in these rooms with hardly any sunlight coming through. Yeah, yeah. Asking them to pay attention. And then when they don't, we say well, why don't you take this pill? And it's like, they don't need a pill. It's, they need to move. They need to be yeah. 
um, uh, and get those endorphins going. So I would actually, every 20 minutes, I would stop the class and tell them to get up and stretch and move around and wiggle and blah, blah, blah. Good for you. Back down. Yeah. Um, and it's never been a problem. I think some, some teachers are like too um, worried about losing control of the class. Mm-hmm. But I'm almost like if you let them burn some of the energy off, then you're not going to run into um, – you shouldn't have that situation. Totally, yeah. I took a um, SAT class when I was studying for the SATs. You know, my parents had SAT class money, not SAT private tutor money. So I was like in between. <laughs> uh, so I took that a class with – these guys were like um, uh, well-known kind of in the town. They are characters. And this guy said, when they give you a break, he said, do push-ups. And we were like, what? He goes, who gives a shit if they're laughing at you or they think you're weird? This is your life. Get your blood flowing. Do some push-ups. Jump up and down. And then go back in there. And his point was, like, if you're sedentary for three hours or however long the SAT was, I don't remember, uh, you know, your score might go down. (laughs) He's like, so if doing a few push-ups is going to potentially raise your score do them and who cares about the judgment um yeah push-ups just you know when i when i would take my lunch breaks at the school so many people sit in those uh um uh what they uh what they call the break room yeah lunch and i'm like that's just uh like a holding cell (laughs) you know and um I would always go outside for lunch. I would, I would, I would walk around a block and then come back and and eat or something. But I just, I could not sit in those break rooms because most people go in there and they just complain about their day anyway. Uh, so you don't <laughs> right. feel recharged for the second half, right? Your day, uh, right? So I, I yeah. I'm all about breaking out from the break rooms. Yeah, that's an empty, empty place. Right it's there. an empty place, man. Yeah. Now, I, you're at home. Have you been outside yet today? I have, yeah. I was, um, I went to, uh, when I said I was in an office, I went to the Writers Guild for a little bit. They have, like, office space for you to perch up and write, oh, yeah. um, which is very, very nice of them. Um, yeah, they had that in L.A. also, yeah. Yeah, it's great. And there's it's always me and like maybe one other person and I'm like this is we have free yeah office space in Tribeca. I can't believe more people are <laughs> doing this. Well, they're like uh, Starbucks or Whole Foods or Yeah, I can't do that. Also, I just it feels so much I feel like such a douchey cliche every time I'm working on my script in a uh you know, in a well, I, <laughs> I find that de- de- it depends on where I am in my writing process. Um, that sometimes I need absolute quiet to write. Mm-hmm. And other times where I write better in noisy environments. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I don't think I have one or the other. I know people have something, but I, I completely agree. Um, in college, when I was like really, when I had to buckle down, I would go to the reading room, which is basically like where you can't say a word and it's like the quiet area. Yeah. And I would bust it out but sometimes those can be even more distracting because you're kind of trying to fill that emptiness with something um and and silence isn't enough <laughs> yes so it can be a little distracting as well um 
but yeah, I don't really have, it's funny, all these years, I, I don't have like a go-to method, you know, um, uh, I don't know, maybe Google Docs are becoming more of a method, but other than that, it's, it's kind of all over the place. I handwrite, I write on my computer, in my notes app, on my phone, I'm kind of, I'm like all over the place, I don't have a go-to thing. Do you have like a thing for like stand up or a thing for I used to and now uh with the technology it's just created too many options for me. Yeah. I used to have it all in my notebook and now it's in my Evernotes, it's in uh notepads, it's in small ones, big ones, uh yeah. it's on toilet paper, it's 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 in my phone <laughs> So I got it on hard drives, uh on my cell phone, audio like I, I can't keep track. I, I, I've yeah. given up trying to keep track of it, and I'm just, uh, I, I realize I'm just going to keep creating. And then at some point, it'll come together or not. I yeah. don't. <laughs> no, it will. <laughs> yeah, I don't have uh, the one thing I do to try to be semi responsible in terms of stand up writing is I have one Google Doc. It used to be a Word Doc, now it's a Google Doc that's, you know, uh, very, very long that hopefully is close to everything I've written. I at some point try to transfer it to that um, just so I feel like uh, it's kind of my catch-all because it is all over the place besides that. It used to be a Word doc and then I thought if my computer crashes then uh, then I am going to kill myself. Cause <laughs> no, I, and, and it, it's it's funny but I mean it, it, it's, it's those small things that make you just, you know, Bill Burr has a joke about um, saying that, you know, when he thinks about uh, completing suicide, it's never or anything major. It's never like the world yeah. and a global warming. It's 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 always over like he laziness girlfriend. He he bake a pie and then it's right. like, that pie. And he's like, shit. And then he right. just wants to jump. <laughs> right. So it's more because I'm lazy. He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just avoid getting out of work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, if I kill my I don't have to do that pie. Yeah. Great. <laughs> the how long have you and your girlfriend been together? Oh man, uh, we've been together <clears throat> um, three years now or so, and been living together since January. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of had this uh, interesting start because when we first started dating, I had the show going, and I was kind of between New York and LA, and spending kind of two weeks at a time out there, and. Um, so I think she didn't really know um, what was going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, so we never really got to like, we were in this interim period for a while just because I was back and forth and being run ragged. Um, but then to her delight, Leo, they didn't pick it up. <laughs> so, so I came back to uh, on my hands and knees to New York. Uh, and then why, why her? Why'd you pick her? Um, she's the best I can do. You know, I don't think I can do better than... No, no, no. She's, uh, I met her on a... Um, it's, it's very lame, but on a dating app. And I've been doing that for a little bit. Not really taking it seriously. Which one? Which, uh, a hinge? Okay. Co <laughs> coffee meets bagel. Oh, coffee meets bagel. Yes. Before, it was... Um, now, it's like... Uh, I feel like it's lost a little bit of its grip. It had a little bit of a sheen, and then once it gets like popular, people are like, "Nah, it's not good." Um, 
Yeah, Bumble was hot for a second, and I think people have gotten off of that. Yeah, now Bumble is like the Tinder, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Bumble used to be, like, the hip one where, like, right. some, and now it's, like, yeah, yeah I want to get laid. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think we... Um, I don't, I don't want to say we, like, completely, like, hit it off on the first day. It was, like, a very good first date, and she was, like, yeah. really nice, and we kept in touch, and we had a few more dates. But it was a slow burn, again, because I was kind of back and forth, and then it just got to the point where I'm like, oh, I really uh, am fond of this person. This is a really nice person. Um, but it definitely wasn't, and to her, I don't think it was either, because I was. she was like, this guy doesn't give a shit. He's, he's never here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she's just a very, very sweet person um and wears her heart on her sleeve and works hard and um and her parents have a lot of money no she's just lovely uh she's she's a very lovely person i'm very well, you know some people it's, it's funny because i people i think people are afraid to say that right like I, you know i don't i don't know if you're being facetious or, or serious but, um <laughs> But it, there, there are practical aspects to being with someone, right? Whether um, they provide um, financial security or mm-hmm. social uh, capital or even emotional uh, security. You know, I, there was a story of uh, somebody got married and I mean, they, and they got divorced later on, but they said, why did you marry that person? And they were like, well, I, I knew I didn't know a lot, but I knew for sure that person would never uh, leave me. But oh, interesting. Yeah. The person was abusive, though. Oh, but they but that what, what they valued was finding someone who they felt and knew would never, ever leave them. Yeah. So loyalty was. the number Yeah. One. Loyalty was the, was the number one priority. So. Whether you're with somebody over loyalty or over uh, royalties, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it, it doesn't matter. It's a, you know, it's like you know what 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 you value, and uh, and and, oh. and that's for different reasons. Yeah, that that uh, I should be clear. Her parents' um, financial situation is not a factor. <laughs> what is a factor is they're lovely people, and uh, she's lovely, and our families get along. Um, and she's uh, partially Israeli, so she's like small, but you can kick my ass, which kind of right. turns me on, you know. I yeah, like she, she had to she had to join the military, right? <laughs> no, she didn't grow up there. She grew up mostly oh, okay. in Boston. Okay. Um, but uh, no, it, it's it's good. And and honestly, as you know, the fact that she's dealing puts up with my dog shit career choice is um, says a lot for sure. Um, and it's very patient and understanding and okay when i come in at one in the morning um so uh it's all good it's been good but see there you go diminishing where you are right now the the where where is that where is that voice coming from <laughs> you mean what the self the, the yeah the, the self-deprecation is that is that your whose voice is that oh that's interesting like where does that come from yeah um because kids don't have that it's right? true. Kids don't kids, have it. Kids think that, I mean, kids are all ego. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, I think there's something about stand-up that'll do that to you because it's it's humbling at every level. Like, I don't know if you listen to um, 
Bill Burr's most recent podcast, this was going around, that he was turned away at LOL. Did you hear about that in Times Square? At LOL? I don't, I don't know what you mean. LOL is a comedy club that is, you know, has a reputation as, oh. you know, uh, not the, the most premier club in New York City. And Bill Burr wanted to do a show at Caroline's. And then, um, uh, and by the way, if LOL is listening, I'd love to work the club. Um, <laughs> the show is over. He like popped over to LOL. He's like, all right, I've never been here before. And they were like, yeah, we don't know uh, who you are. Um, you know, he's like, I just want to grab a quick set. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we don't. You're How not long ago set. was that? Uh, four days ago. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? Uh, Recently, Bill Burr walked into that club and he yeah. turned him away? Yeah, well, they said, let me make a phone call. Let me call the manager. And Bill Burr, and he was basically like, you know, I just didn't want to do, like, I was not going to say, oh, I've been on premium blend. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's like, I just wasn't going to go there. Uh, and uh, they, they basically were making a phone call. And he's like, you know what, just forget it. Don't worry about it. Um, and then he called uh, Keith Robinson, who I'm sure you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to tell him, he's like, listen, this is going to get out. So just make this ball busting quick, you know? Uh, <laughs> so he told Keith and then Keith called LOL to, to thank them for turning away. <laughs> um, so I, I think to get to your point though, I think you, no matter what level you're at, if you're at Bill Burr's level or like what does it, you're, you're constantly, humbled you know it's you have you know you were just saying you have a great show and then the next one is not good and it can completely change your night you know you can end on a great show mm. and have a really bad show before that and you go home happy you can flip-flop those two have a really good show end on a bad one you go home miserable so i i think that's what kind of leads to um that attitude like I, i've never really walked around um thinking uh, too highly of myself or my career or like anything like that, you know, it's just not what you do. Um, and I feel like if you do that, uh, you'll get your ass handed to you by comp. They, they can see through that, uh, quickly, you know? Yeah. I, 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 I hear what you're saying. You definitely, uh, you know, I you get to, you know, that whole get getting too big for your britches kind right. of thing. And, uh, and then thinking you're better than somebody else. Cause you know, nothing, that society loves more than to see someone think that they're above and beyond everyone else or better than everyone and then get knocked down and yes. just shreds. Yeah, totally. Um, however, I think there's also a difference, though, between being humble and thinking less of yourself. Uh-huh. See what I'm saying? Yes. Like it, it, to me, thinking more of yourself and or thinking less of yourself are just are kind of the same thing. Right. Right. Um, versus saying, you know, uh, it, versus focusing on the work that needs to be done as opposed to thinking that where you are is a reflection of who you are. Mm hmm. Does that make wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, th I think partially you're saying it's kind of an internal thing um, in terms of your attitude about yourself, not just kind of how you portray yourself right. on the outside. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. Um, 
I don't know. I just, I just feel, um, you know, I, I don't think I'm particularly more, I guess, talented than any of like my friends who are doing right. this. I think I work pretty hard and that's, yeah. that's why I can kind of get away with maybe carving out a small little sliver of a career. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. That that's an interesting thing. I, I think in the end, I do have enough self confidence to uh, not quit <laughs> yet, you know. And that's uh, that takes a lot, I think, because um, there are there are some people out there who you, I'm sure you know, who like represent a lot of my fears about this business. Um, who you see them just kind of spinning their wheels, uh, doing the same thing, and and it's like, damn, is that what I'm going to be when I'm that age or whatever? Or, uh, so it's, it's a lot of fear-based, uh, attitudes right. on my end for sure. What's the, what's the, so you, you fear, um, not, you, you fear kind of doing the same thing and being in the same place in the future. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah. I think every comic kind of fears right. that in many ways. They fear not being able to kind of make that jump. Uh, not, the thing is Totally. I, I think though that never goes away. That's the thing. Like even when you're when you do make a jump, you don't even you don't even have the perspective to really see it. You know, you're just like, oh well, how do I get to that next thing? And and it never stops. Yeah. It never stops. No, I, I'm sure there are a lot of um, you know very successful, famous people out there who are extremely insecure about their standing <laughs> in the business. You know. So what do you do? Because you're right, because a lot of people have that fear of like being in the same place five years, 10 years from now, because uh, you see that scene in movies, too, of like the, the person who left the small town and they, they go to yep. L.A. or New York and then they come back to the small town and, uh, you know, or five, 10 years later. And then their friends are still there and they're like, oh, you're still here, you know, right, that kind right. of thing. And it's always like this, oh, like nobody wants to be the person who's still here. Um, yeah. Uh, what, um, I guess, what are you then doing daily to feel like you're growing? Yeah, that, I think that question makes sense. Totally. I, I think if you're doing, if you're staying busy and you're doing the work, you can kind of put those feelings at bay. Like I've never written for, you know, two hours straight. Yeah. Felt like I was productive and then had those feelings. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, whenever I'm feeling productive and, and I'm working at it, I, I don't have those fears. It's, it's more in the quiet time. I feel like and I'm sure you can relate. And a lot of comics can relate. If you're if you're busy and you're working and you're writing and you're getting up on stage and you're, uh, you know, working on whatever side projects you got, it's uh, you're, you're too busy to have those feelings. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and again, I think one thing that keeps me going, and I'm sure it keeps you going, is you have a new joke that works. It's like, okay, that's that's why I'm doing this. That's it nice gives you hope. Yes, totally. Right. Yeah. Um, you have to put that, you have to work for hope. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like there are a lot of comics who will look at you and be like, um, I can't believe it. You're at the cellar. You must feel like you're on top of the world. And I'm sure that's not how you feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's absolutely right. It's like now I'm in at the cellar and I go, 
all right, what's the, I'm thinking about the next thing. Right, right. Like it's, 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 it's not that it's never enough, it's that, I mean, that's part of it. A part, a part of me feels like, all right, this isn't enough because now I don't want to be the guy who's only at the cellar. Right. 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 I don't want yep. to come back 20 years and I'm at the table, you know? Yeah. Uh, however, and so that's my fear, but my love is, because I always think about things in terms of love, uh, fear and love, right? And so I fear being that person who's at the cellar, at the table in the same spot 20 years from now. Yeah. Uh, but I love learning and growing. Yeah. And so, you know, it goes, that book, uh, I think it's called Mindset by Carol uh, Dweck. And you realize, like, whether you have a billion dollars or $20 billion or $1,000 to $2,000, you just love to see it grow. You love to see your 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 money grow. You love to see your garden grow. You love mm-hmm. to see your children grow. You love to mm-hmm. see your career growing, your relationship your the way you handle things you like to see in that you like to feel that internal growth of uh if you're a person who was always losing their temper that now you've figured out you've learned how to manage your emotions better in different situations right, right. um right. that's why we love cooking because there's always it's always it's, it's challenging a little bit where you get in the kitchen and you're experimenting and trying things and uh, maybe it'll turn out better this time, you know? Right, right. No, growth is the name of the game for, for everything. Um, I, I know for, you know, Amazon is ruling the ro- world right now, but I'm sure Jeff Bezos is not like, well, I did it. I'm feeling good. This right. is as high as I want it to go. It's like, no, no, no. Let's, let's see if we can take over uh, more of it. Everything. He wants everything. everything. He <laughs> wants everything. And, and he's got me. He's got yeah. me by the balls. I got the credit card and everything, and there's a Whole Foods close to me, and it's all over. Yeah, he owns Whole Foods. That's crazy. Now they got the drone. <laughs> they can drop off packages at your house. They're trying right. to make us all. They're trying to make us grow physically, which isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't have to leave your house to do anything. I know. Wow. I, I've got some guilt about using it and kind of feeding that machine, but at the same time, like you know, he won. All right, so he won. Uh, I don't want to pay more for shit. So <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, but I'm, yeah. uh, I'm going to buy you're it. freezing. Yeah, exactly. Come on now. Your house, it would just like 20 below to go get milk. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, so, yeah, he's got, he's got me. Um, you seem to have a, a really good uh, head on your shoulders, uh, and uh, it's an illusion. At, at thirty, I, I mean, definitely, you know, we all have to. What do they say? Fake it, fake it till you make it, or whatever. Yes. Yeah. After this podcast, I'm definitely gonna like cry and uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Again, the, just don't kill yourself because then yeah. I'm gonna feel like the one that sets you over the top. Well, you know, Alan Watts has this. Uh, you know, and he he has his. Have you heard of Alan Watts, Doctor Alan Watts? I have not. No. Uh, he has a bunch of uh, clips on YouTube, and uh, he's like this philosopher from the I think the forties or fifties. And there's a bunch of his speeches on YouTube that uh, musicians, for some reason, have decided to 
dub his lectures over their instrumentals. Oh, interesting. So it's a it's a but if you just type in Dr. Alan Watts, you'll get like all these different cool beats beside but uh behind his his lectures. It's it's not like if Jordan Peterson uh had music. I'm and I bet you in the future they're gonna do that with Jordan Peterson because he has uh-huh. this type of vocal inflection. But anyway, he talks about the self and he talks about when people say uh, they want to uh, they when they go into self-help, he goes, what 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 part of yourself are you talking about? You mm-hmm. know, because there's so there's not just one self. There, there, there are different selves. There's there's a self who uh, is on a podcast being interviewed. There's a self who is on stage. There is a self uh, when stressed, the self when at home for the holidays. Right. Yep. You know, that's yep. why people say I just don't feel like myself because we have these different selves. So when I when people do say that they want to kill themselves, the 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 question is, uh, what part, what self are we talking about? <laughs> wow! Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's heavy, man. Yeah. And and so when you when you look at it like that, then it doesn't become such a weighted statement. You know. Yeah. Because then you're kind of parsing out, you're separating. Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't hate hate the six versions. You hate these two iterations. Two, yeah. Yeah. It's like you got like seven different voices going on, and one of them is an asshole, and it has to go. (laughs) Right. Right? And so, um, you know, when uh, it's just a powerful way to not just look at that, but to look at... um, you know, if you and your girlfriend decide to go on a trip or, or start a business or whatever it is, there's a self of you. There's a part of yourself that is enthusiastic and, and would overjoyed to do it. There's also a part of you that's probably anxious about the trip and taking time off and the yep. logistics of it. And yep. then there's a part of you that might be triggered by some other whatever it is. But there's always uh, a different range of emotions that we're experiencing uh, for every single event that we don't really, really, really haven't practiced uh, acknowledging. Uh huh. Does that That's make a, sense? Totally. That's a very hopeful thing because I, I think a lot of people who are struggling can hopefully find a version that they're at least okay with, you know. Um, so yeah, that's that's very interesting. I also feel though part of like the journey of stand up is like how long it takes. There's a million expressions out there, but how it takes you know ten years to be yourself on stage. Um, I've, I've said this before on uh, other uh, things, but when I first started out, I did a show, and when I got off stage, my dad said to me, uh, "At what point do you think you're going to stop being Dave Attell and start being yourself?" <laughs> uh, stand up at that time no, yeah at that time at that time probably um probably a couple years oh yeah um but it made an impact on me for sure and i think you're kind of um in a way maybe this isn't the most healthy thing but you're trying to like unify those different versions into its purest form yes. on stage I, I think that's why some not stand up doesn't always translate to acting because it's like almost opposite muscles. It's like stand up. You're trying to be a hundred percent yourself and acting. 
uh, is the opposite of that. Um, unless you can be a version of yourself, you know, in that character. But, uh, yeah, that's a very interesting thing. I, I think what you're saying, I don't know if this translates, but when you're on stage, you're, you're kind of trying to unify those versions into one kind of cohesive, tangible thing. You know, what's, what's powerful about what you said and, and that, like, you know, if, you know, being a few years in, you were, you know, mo- mimicking Dave Attell. Yeah, Which, like everybody else. <laughs> like everybody else. Uh, but when you look at the, uh, the pattern of mastery, right, when you're trying to master whether it's stand-up or cooking or whatever, the, the first step uh, is mimicry. Right. Right? That's the yep. first step. So that you, you, yeah, that's, the, that's, where you, that's the trajectory of that. You're, you're mimicking. You are uh, then, or maybe I think that's, that might be the second step. You might be consuming, then mimicking, or it might yep. be a, kind of a back and forth. But you're consuming comedy. You're consuming content. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're mimicking mm-hmm. what you've consumed. So if it's stand-up, even in relationships. So that's what makes it interesting is that, you know, you and your girlfriend in the beginning are kind of mimicking your your parents' behavioral patterns and what you've seen and witnessed and have taken in. Uh-huh. And at some point, you guys will stop operating as your parents' uh-huh. dynamic and then operating as your own. And like, what is it that you want your relationship to be? Right. Right. Does totally. That make sense. Yeah, I think basically across the board, it takes a while to be to yourself. To find your voice in, in anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, someone said, I don't know if this was on like a Joe Rogan podcast or whatever, but he said, you should attempt to be the version of yourself that you like idealize on that first date. See if you can make that yourself, you know. On and- stage? No, in uh, in your personal life, I think, like, with oh. your girlfriend. Because, you know, on that first date, you're, like, you're yeah. pulling out all your bags of tricks. You're charming. You're picking up. You're doing. He's like, if you could keep that up, you'll have a healthy relationship. But at the same time, there is something about that not being 100% yourself. Um, so, I don't know. I might have just stepped on my own. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of work because yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does I, I think it, it doesn't leave room for... Um, for vulnerability. Yes. Right? On the first date, the dynamics are so different because mm-hmm. uh, as the guy, you, nine times out of ten, we're making the plans. Mm-hmm. We're not really asking for her input. We're, you know, we, we've got a feel for it through our conversations up to that point. But it's yeah. like, she's expecting you for the, you know, for, we're, I mean, it's still... We're in 2019. Maybe in 2030 is going to be different where everybody's going to be the same gender. But for right now, we're still <laughs> men do this, women do that for yeah. the most part. I think she made the plans actually for the first thing. Oh, she she, oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. mostly because it was around the corner from her apartment. Oh. <laughs> she was yeah. planning, she planned to make the plans for convenience sake. I love it. That's a yeah, yeah. She's part. like, yeah, if this doesn't go well, well, it's a yeah, quick, yeah. Ride, she, quick ride back, quick walk. <laughs> <laughs> right, she doesn't waste her Uber money uh, um, yeah. or anything. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it's just like an interview. You know, it's like if you went in for a job interview, your employer doesn't expect you to be oh, yeah. the same person in that interview that you are in the workplace. Like, now you got to roll your sleeves up and exactly. get dirty. Yeah, that so, would be an exhausting life. Uh, yeah, that would, be, that would be exhausting for sure. But I think if we're going to validate what he's saying, I think that what he's really saying is, Show up with the same intention every day. Yeah, effort. And, yes, know, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're buying everything and you're going over the top and you're super uh, attentive. But uh, but you know, don't don't phone it in. If, if you're right. sad, be sad. If you're having a conversation, be present for the because we're really present on that first date. Yes. You know, we want to make an impression. You're not on your, I mean, if you really like her, if you're really into her, you're not. Then, because you see these couples, they've been together for a while, and now they're just sitting across from each other on their cell phones and iPads and laptops and a fax machine. Oh, my gosh. It's sad. Yeah, it's a sad sight. They got their earbuds in and all that stuff. So I I think it's, it's more about have that same curiosity. Yes. That you yes. had, right? And that's what your girlfriend has. That's why she wants to know. Tell me about the set. Tell me about, <laughs> tell me how you feel about it. Where are you? How, you know, right. you know, right. she wants to get her excited. Like, hey, this is how it went. Here's here's the other tip I would give you, too, uh, to if it helps you be more comfortable with sharing um, the set and the material is, because I'm listening to this book right now called The Culture Code. And they said one of the things that uh, makes uh, a culture or group uh, come together is that they, one is energy. So that you have an energy or a passion about what you're doing, right? Uh huh. Yep. The other one is uh, talking about the future. Uh-huh. So, because what that does is it lets the people know. That we are moving somewhere, we're going somewhere, that where we are, because it goes back to what our fear was earlier, right, of being stuck in the same place. And so when you're talking to your girlfriend, tell her about your set tonight. Tell her about the jokes. What happened? Uh, What failed? What worked? What didn't work? And then talk about the future. Here's what I'm going to do on the next show. Here, I'm Mm going to move this joke around. I'm going to try this. I'm going to move that around. I'm going to add that. I'm going to mm-hmm. wear a suit. I'm going to wear a tuxedo. I'm going to make use of the space. And now you got her excited about the future and what you got coming up next, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like a TV show, right? Because you're a writer. That's what they do. At the end of that show, to make sure that you come back to watch the next episode, they give you a little uh, preview. Yep. This is what's going to happen. And then that, you go, oh, shit, I got to see that. So that's what you want to give her. You you just gave her what's hap- what's happening now, and then here's but here's here's what we're gonna try it on in the future. Here's here's what we're working towards. Uh huh. Wow, that's good. That's very good. We'll see. Uh, go to therapy. Look at all these nuggets you get. See, I was just is- gonna say, Leo. Now I definitely don't have to go. Let's do this. <laughs> Make me a regular on before you kill yourself, and you'll save me a lot of uh, money. <laughs> um we uh you know will this was great thank you for being a part of this uh this podcast thank Um, you man i always feel like there's someone 
who may be on a precipice of taking their life when they're listening, uh, what would you say to that person? Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them? Wow, way to put the pressure on. Um, <laughs> well, I would say, uh, I would go back to what you said, which I think was very um, illuminating, is, is there has to be a part of yourself that um, even if you don't love it, you're, you can live with it um, and you can improve it. Uh, so even if there's three aspects of your life that you can't stand, if there's one that's sort of there, which it should be, by the way, um, then there is hope to nurture that and kind of, um, keep yourself going. And again, I would say, stay busy, you know, uh, stay busy, go, like you said, do the laundry, fold your clothes, do the dishes, vacuum your apartment, go on a run. Um, it's, it's really, uh, hard to kill yourself if you're not doing that, <laughs> you're doing something else instead. Uh, that's at least, uh, again, from someone who is, uh, you know, really not suicidal when I've had bad thoughts and not feeling good. If I'm doing something, really anything that could be clipping my toenails could even be yeah. uh, construed as as productive. Um, then you can just kind of uh, punt those thoughts and feel good about, you know, some sort of task completion. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Will Julian. Where can they find you? Or, or Instagram, social media? Where, where are you at? Yeah, cool. I'm on all the uh, standard stuff. Will Julian comic on Instagram and Twitter. Um, That's Will Julian, J-U-L-I-A-N. Yes, correct. Um, yeah. All those places, willjulian.com for my website and dates. I usually put dates on Facebook or Instagram stories, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, the usual, the usual outlets. Fantastic. Well, Julian, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you listeners for listening in. Uh, the, and the biggest thanks that, uh, you guys who are listening in can give me is, uh, to rate it on iTunes, the five stars and to share the episode with friends, family, enemies, strangers, anybody who you think needs <laughs> to hear this message. That, that's the biggest thank you because we want to reach as many people as possible. I, 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 want, to, I want the podcast to get a billion uh, subscribers, downloads. That, that's the future talking right there. <laughs> uh, all right. And we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. Thank, thanks, Leo. Appreciate it.